So good morning, everybody. Um, so we're about to dive into a, a six-week session uh, on how to know God's will. Um, this is a, a topic that uh, I guess we've probably addressed many times. Uh, if you've been a believer for very long, there's, there's always the question of what's God's will? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to know? And uh, we're going to take the next uh, six weeks doing that. Uh, we'll do the first part today. And kind of like the other multi-part series that we've done, the temptation is to move too fast, right? To sort of capture all of this as, as fast as possible and just get through it. Uh, that, that's not the goal. So the goal isn't to dig too deep. The goal is to start slow, take our time, and then kind of work through the study as we go. And I think we're going to uh, encounter a number of familiar passages uh, as we work through this one. Uh, just to give you a little preview of what's to come, so this, this first week, it's God's will and my will, and it's all about really surrendering uh, our will to his. Uh, week two is God's will and the Bible. Uh, week three is God's will and the Holy Spirit. Week four is God's will and the church. Week five is God's will and my circumstances. And then number six is God's will and the glory of God. So, uh, the point this week is to, to seek to align our will with God's will, and uh, we're going to be uh, reading in a couple of different places, both Romans and Ephesians today. Um, but uh, this, this week, uh, I heard somebody, uh, one of the presidential candidates actually, and to make sure that I don't get too political, I'm not going to dive in and say who and, and under what circumstances they were quoting uh, the scripture, but it is funny how God can weave in his word into your daily life and then somehow magically it sort of tucks in with what you're going to talk about not magically it's the wrong word choice uh, perfectly fit in with what you're going to study uh, that week uh, and one of the candidates this week quoted from Micah uh, and he quoted Micah 6 8 uh, will somebody look up Micah chapter 6 does anybody know the circumstance I'm talking about yeah Yeah, so this, this person used scripture to defend a position uh, politically, um, but it was, it's an interesting passage and one that I think is important for us to read today and, and, uh, and think about. So if somebody has Micah 6, 8, would you start and read that for us? He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Yeah. That, that is essentially what God's will is for us, right? That we would live in according with, uh, with his plan and that we would, we would walk with our God through, through this life. Um, now, the example being used this week was a totally different topic, and if you want to go and research that on your own, so be it. Uh, but I found it really impactful because I heard that, and I thought, interesting, I'm going to go and look that up. And I looked it up, and I was like, wow, that's exactly what I'm studying this, this week. Um, so let's, let's break the ice here a little bit. Um, you'll turn to page 67 in your guide. Uh, the first question for us is, so when you go out to eat as a group, how do you choose where you go? How do you choose? Anybody? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? I don't know. You want to go here? Anywhere but there. 
So sometimes we let Maddox decide, but we have to put rules on it. One, you can't say McDonald's. Uh, two, you can only say Chick-fil-A on six days of the week, uh, right? Um, how about you? Are there any particular ways? It's really a battle of wills sometimes, right? Sometimes you want pizza and everybody else wants Mexican. No, the kids will say, no pizza. Yeah. On weekends, it's pizza. Weekends, it's pizza. Um, any 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 funny stories? Well, we used to. I'm just trying to see if we can get everybody to agree. You know, particularly the kids, and that never works because <laughs> if Presley says she wants this, Maggie's gonna say no, I don't want that, and it's just and vice versa. But and we haven't really done this, but we were out to lunch or something. You remember we had gone to um, Bluegill and saw some friends of ours, and it was just him and his wife. And I was like, "Where's the kids?" And she said. They can never decide what they want to eat, so we left them at home. <laughs> like, there you go. Left them at home and order pizza. And order the pizza. <laughs> I've had my kids before. Okay, you get a sheet of paper, you just go in your room and write down your top three places, and when they bring them to me, it's, in, it's it usually there's the same one, and that's where, we, that's where I'll take them. That's where we'll go. Because if I ask, like, if I ask one, I'll oh, no, the other one does not want to eat theirs. Just that because that's what they <laughs> So blind voting, and you look for overlap. Interesting. Ours will always say Chinese food. Chinese food? I don't know. Mine would never say Chinese food. We usually don't ask ours. You don't ask? There you go. Just well, we have got this. So you two align privately, and it's just this is where we're going. Get in the car, let's go. Interesting. Uh, has Have you ever had a discussion and made the decision and then went somewhere else? I did that once, where I had thought I had conceded to the majority. Uh, but then I drove to where I wanted to go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I just sort of pulled up, and they were all looking at each other like, what's going on? We all, uh, like, oh, I did lose the vote 3-1, didn't I? Oh, we're here. We should probably <laughs> go ahead and eat. Don't want to waste this the time. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's not a democracy. It is funny. So there were a couple of phrases that I was looking for, and one of those is that this is not a democracy. Right? And it did come up right at the, right at the end. Uh, and that's the way it is in our relationship with God as well, right? He has a will, he has a plan and a design. He's our creator and father, and his, his, his words, what we have to follow, right? He gets to choose. Um, do we always go his way? No. And, and that's, and that's when, when we sin. Um, so if somebody could turn to uh, page 68 in your guide, would somebody read the Bible Meets Life uh, section for us? think you're extremely qualified, the executive headhunter pronounced. He had told me about a wonderful job opportunity. There were complications. My wife and I were happy in our current life. The job would entail moving to a different state. I live close to my aging parents. How would this affect them? How would this impact my children? Was a move financially prudent? My head was swimming with questions. I wanted to do God's will, but what was it? I didn't want to make a mistake with my life. How could I be certain which choice was God's best for my future? Have you been there? Some decisions are painless, like what we'll wear or where we'll go for lunch. But many other decisions are life-altering. Should I apply to this college or that one? Should I marry this person? Should I apply for that position? Should I buy this house? Our life is the sum of the choices we make. Let's consider how involved God desires to be in those decisions, the big ones and the little ones.
Thanks, Rob. Anything stick out for you there? Anybody ever been in that circumstance? It's one of many circumstances we're very likely to face. Um, you know, the research shows that people don't get the same job and stay in that same job or, you know, move into that one house and stay in that house anymore. People move around quite a lot. Uh, if you have people that are in high school now and are going to go on to college, the, the likelihood of them having more than 10 jobs uh, is, is extremely high. Uh, you look back in our parents' generation, most of us probably yeah, about the same generation, uh, most of our parents, once they got that one good job, they stayed, right? Uh, how many of you spent more than 20 years in the same house growing up, or, or zero through about 18? Yeah, it's almost, yeah, more than half of the room, right? Um, <coughs> the world doesn't work that way anymore. There are a lot of, a lot of decisions and a lot of big decisions to make. Um, and uh, one of the things they want to point out here is that everybody naturally wants to live well, but what exactly does that look like? How do I get there? If I choose door number one, how do I, how do I know that door number two wouldn't have been a better choice, right? Uh, life's full of choices without knowing the future. It's often difficult to know what the best decision is. What happens if we make a mistake? Can God's will still be accomplished if we make mistakes? Absolutely, right? So God has a plan, and it's sort of been carrying on since before the beginning of time, right, before creation, and it'll carry all the way through. And our, our little mistakes matter, our decisions matter, but his plan just keeps on rolling, right? And that's the beauty of being an omnipresent, omnipotent God, is that you can see the future, and you can see how all of these details work out, and you can take all of my little failures and turn them into your plan still works. Um, but is it important for us to make the right choice? Does it mean that we don't have any accountability if we make the wrong choice? No. Uh, anybody have an example of making the wrong choice? Choosing door B when you should have chosen door A? Are there consequences? See a lot of head nodding, but nobody real anxious to, to share <laughs> your your war stories. Well, it's just you know, I mean, things can look like a mistake, and you're going through it, but then later on, it you know, turns into something good. So, where you learn from it? Yeah, isn't it interesting when that happens? We make the wrong choice. We often end up in this confrontation, right? This awareness to, I didn't do the right thing. And that creates an environment for something. What is that? When we realize we've gone the wrong way and then we turn, what is that? Repentance is the, is the word, right? And that's one of the things that, that we've learned throughout reading God's word that actually gives God joy, right? When he sees us repent and turn back to him, right? It's an acknowledging of, of his will. Uh, and then and sometimes, some cases, we find in our mistakes, we actually grow closer to those in interpersonal relationships, and then we end up relying more heavily upon God. We actually end up maybe more in his will moving forward. So if we're looking for the perfect life, it's not, it's not there. It's not to be had. Um, we live in a fallen world, and you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. Get over it. Right? The, the point is, is to turn from those mistakes and then, and then move back in a positive direction. So let's start in our, in our passage this week in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6. 
This is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and uh, he's, he's reminding them of a few important things. Uh, we'll see in the second half of this, uh, we actually see Paul write some words of praise, which are a little bit rare for him. Most of his writings are instruction. So let's, let's read Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 first. Whoever's got it, hit it. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he pre- predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Okay, so if you've ever wanted to dive into one of the most controversial passages in all of the Bible about predestination, here it is. And I don't have all of the answers for you. Uh, that's, that's not the point today. Um, if you would like to talk about that, I would love to talk and debate that over the course of the next several weeks as we, as we dive into that. Um, but the main point of this is, is that God knew uh, what you would do today, and he's known that for a long time. Uh, He also knows the condition of your heart. Uh, He knew before the creation of this world who would and who wouldn't accept him, apparently. And that's that's what the word says here. Um, And I think the key takeaway for us is to understand that God is actively involved in his creation. Um, That he he didn't just cast it into motion and is sitting back watching it uh, in a form of entertainment. Uh, right? It's not like if you're a model builder and you build all of these models and you just place them on the shelf to look at them. Or if you were to collect uh, trains and you create these elaborate displays and you have all of these electric trains going everywhere. He's just not on a platform looking down watching. He's actively involved in his creation, working out his purpose day by day, year by year, century by century. Uh, Every plan that God has for his creation enjoys the full backing of heaven (coughs) to ensure its success. I thought that was an interesting line. And when I heard that line, I heard something familiar in the style of writing, the person that just wrote that. Uh, And it turns out it's Richard Blackaby. uh, And I had read a bunch of stuff from his dad, Henry Blackaby, over the years. And apparently his son writes a lot like his dad. Uh, and I sort of heard that, and I started digging in, like, who, who's, who's the author in this stuff, you know? In this particular week, it's Richard Blackaby. Interesting stuff. Um, so the verses that we just read, um, what are some of the practical implications of knowing that we're chosen by God? Whether we fully understand and grapple with this whole predestination thing, the reality is that God chose us. We chose him in return, but he chose us first. What are some of the practical implications of knowing that he chose you? It's a very personal relationship. Right. He didn't choose you in a group. He didn't say, everybody in this zip code who has brown hair gets to be part of my team, right? He did a schoolyard pick in advance in some strange way that we'll, we won't know until we are actually in his presence. The Bible says that all of this will be revealed to us. Uh, we can't handle it now. We literally are. We would just explode. Uh, but he, yeah, he chose a personal relationship. What's that? How does that cause you to live? What, is it, what are some practical things that it causes you to do? The word implication meaning that there's some condition and it causes a response. 
fantastic. Yeah. Someone turns and chooses me yeah. in anything. Yeah. I'm going to be more invested than I'm just chosen as part of this group. You ever been chosen to be on a team? What's it feel like? Does it feel good to be chosen? Feels good to be chosen, right? Someone saw something special in you. You were chosen for a particular reason. <clears throat> Let's say we're playing volleyball. You're probably going to choose EJ or Tracy or Kurt before you choose me. You're probably going to choose them for a particular set of skills. If we're going to do arm wrestling, you're going to choose Rob or Wes, right? Or Robert. Robert would probably be us all turns wrenches. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the fact that he chose each and every one of us also makes me think about what each and every one of us has been through to get to the point that, to do what he has chosen us to do. It's like, you know, nobody's life is perfect. And it's like, you look back at your life and it's like, we had to go through all that just to get to that. Yeah. Kind of makes you think. So the guy that's writing this, the guy that God's speaking to is writing all of this down. Paul had been through a lot, Robert. He had been a persecutor of God's people. Um, why did why did why did he choose him? Why did he why didn't he choose him earlier? <laughs> right. That's and that's the we start trying to understand the plan of God. I actually think that if we dive into that and start asking those questions authentically, I think he'll start revealing the answers to us. But I think when we try to tackle a big question like, so if he chose Paul, the timing of when he chose Paul, how he chose Paul, all Paul's life experiences prior to that, how crazy and difficult his life was after, you know, I, I don't think we can wrap our heads around that just sitting here right now. But he did choose him, and he chose him for a particular set of skills, right? He chose you for the same reason. And that is he intends to use you to accomplish his purpose. If you don't believe that, you're on the wrong team. Right? That, that's, that's, why he, that's why he chose you. Um, any, anything else stand out for you in those verses we read? Any other key words? Paul was, Paul was picky about his word choice, and there are some interesting words that he chose in there today. The predestined part, I get. Uh, what else? Adoption to sonship. Yeah, that's the that's Powerful. the phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. If you uh, dig into uh, the language that Paul wrote this in, likely Greek, uh, you find that there are some very unique words for adoption and sonship that Paul doesn't really use any other time. He was very particular about the words he was choosing and the way he was writing this down. What is it about adoption that's so interesting? Somebody picked you. I was digging a little deeper on that too, and in their time, if, if what I read is correct, in their time, you could disown your natural born That's child, right. but you could not disown your adopted child. Yeah. They were yours forever, and there was nothing you could do to turn your back on them. Yeah, the terms used are legal terms as well, right? right? Yeah, so if you adopt someone, you can't break that adoption, but yeah, you could cast out your own your blood. Own yeah, which is interesting. So often what happens when you adopt someone is you're adopting all of their history, right? You know, there, there are a bunch of kids that are about to age out of um, adoption, care, you know, foster care, all of these types of things. 
Because a lot of people don't want their, their history. They don't want their baggage. Right? God took our baggage. Right? And he still adopted us into the family of, of God. He took all of those things, Robert, that, that I have done and that you have done and others have done. Uh, and he said, I can use those to accomplish my purpose. He didn't just forgive us of our sins, right? He didn't forgive us of our past. He said, I can use it in a mighty way. Uh, I think Paul's the best person to have delivered this message because Paul was one of the greatest opponents of the church, of the early church. Okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's move on here. Let's flip over to Romans 11. And uh, one thing that's a little different about this six-week study is we're not just going to be in one book and just sort of going verse by verse. We're going to bounce around a little bit. And this is something that we don't see from Paul very often. Um, and this is really a hymn of praise. Will somebody read Romans 11, 33 through 36? Oh, the depths of his riches, both of his wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. You ever make up a song? in your head and just kind of sing it. Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> you ever like just when you're alone, like nobody's around, you're not embarrassed, you ever just like make up a song and sort of recounting some of the attributes of, of God? Sometimes the tune's great, right? And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not. Um, this, this one, the point here is that Paul's not making this up on the fly, right? If, if this is the inspired word of God being captured for us, it means that the Holy Spirit's speaking this into Paul's life and Paul's capturing these things uh, for us. Um, is that that different though than whenever you make up the song? Whenever you're just sort of singing along about something of God? Do you come up with that on your own, you think? Is it natural? Let me ask the question in a different way. Is it natural for us to just, you know, in a, in a moment of a uh, little free time, maybe a little bit of boredom for our minds to wander and for it to wander to the things of God and for us to spend a little time singing about it? Is that the natural order of things? No. No, it's not. I would say that the same thing's happening to us that's happening to Paul. And that is that God was speaking into his life, Holy Spirit was at work in his life, and it literally overflowed into a song. And he wrote it down. Kind of a cool thing. Right? Same thing happens to us, I, I believe. What do you think of the tune? I had a hard time getting some rhythm to this one. Callista <laughs> read it much better than I read it. I read it several times. I still couldn't quite. She did good. Very poetic. Um, anything stick out for you in the words Paul chose here? How about those songs that you, you create in your own mind? Um, what are they often about? I, I have a feeling that some of these outpourings that come from our soul, these things that we say, they're the questions that we're asking, right? They're the answers that we need to know. Um, Paul starts out and says, Oh, the depths of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. 
he's in a spot right now where that's that's what he's that's what he's trying to understand. That's what he's searching. And clearly God's given him some answer to where he writes that first line and he ends it with an exclamation point. And now exclamation point is a modern English uh, language application onto this, but the word choice is used. We believe that this was a shout. Interesting. I think it too is what you're talking about. It's, we remind ourselves of the attributes of God. You know, in moments we remind ourselves that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. You've got this covered, basically. And yeah. You start going down that path and when things are feeling a little uneasy. Yeah. Paul's second line, he says, how unsearchable is judgments in his path beyond tracing out. What do you think Paul's been doing? think he's been sitting around trying to figure out why does all this stuff keep happening to me? You think he might be tracing out I have been all over the globe in this part of the world and I've been here and there and this happened to me and I was shipwrecked there and these people tried to kill me. You think he might be tracing some things out and trying to figure out his life? Probably so. And again that, that one ends again with an exclamation point. And then he starts asking those rhetorical questions. And I love rhetorical questions. Do you ask any of those of your kids? Yeah, I like those. So he says, who has known the mind of the Lord? What's the answer to that? No one, right? Or who has been his counselor? No one, right? And this is one of those where you see Paul, he's really sacrificing his will to the Father's will in the form of a song. He's basically confessing, I'm going to stop questioning you. Who's, who's ever been able to question you? Who could give you counsel, right? Um, he's, he, this is a moment of confession for him. Uh, he says, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? What do you think, where do you think that came from? Has Paul given a lot? He's given a lot, and he's about to give his head for it. Um, have you ever had one of those moments where you feel like you've given a lot, maybe to uh, to God or to God's church or in service? You ever felt owed at all? I think he may be in that spot that that other people get from time to time, and that is feeling a little weighted down, a little little burdened. Um, anyway, so when those songs come. Uh, to your mind when those outpourings of your spirit come, I think it would be important for you to write them down. Right? I think they become important confessions for us. Um, so what does the hymn, so what does this hymn of praise reveal about God's nature? Um, what's something that sticks out for you? Revealing of God's nature. One of the things that stuck out for me is that he's patient with us. Right? He's, he's got Paul right where he wants him, and now he's transforming Paul's mind right in front of us, and he's patient with these questions. He's patient with his judgments and his concerns and all of those things. Any other attributes of God's nature that you see in there? 
right, so we've been talking a little bit about predestination, and now we're seeing these, these questions from, uh, from Paul. There's a little bit of mystery in, in God. It's just we don't, we don't have all of the answers. Not everything's revealed to us. How can that both be a comfort and also a challenge for us? can be a comfort in knowing that we're chosen, right? You can have that assurance. But when is that also a challenge? Are there those that you've been praying for and you're wondering about? Right? So it can be a comfort for you, but it can be a challenge not knowing. Right? What else? so much depth just to the predestined I haven't gotten past that <laughs> you know and I, I keep thinking how many times you know that God you know chose Paul but how many times before did he I think daily he chooses he chooses everyone is just when is the time we actually accept and several don't right yeah. how did he not choose them Right, that's that's the the hard part about the whole predestination thing. Right, and that's that's the stuff that I can't. You're gonna spend some time digging on that one and it's the it struggle between God choosing and free will. Right, that right. we choose him back. And I always struggle with that a little. The I think the one piece I read that helped me get a little mind around it. Best was I think it was Tim Keller talked about it a little bit, talked about when God decided, when God could have done it however he wanted to do it, and when he decided this is how you're going to get salvation, he knew who would choose and who would not choose that. But you know, he didn't force that, but he knew at that point by making that decision that's that's was who was going to accept that and who wasn't. It's so still hard to get your head around it. I don't know if we can get our heads around yeah, it. Yeah, I, was, I had a long discussion with Joe Stringer about this, and I was like, you know, because our daughter was, you know, asking a lot of big, deep questions about it, and, and we were just going around and around and just reading everything we could find and just digging as deeply into scriptures as we could and just for months. And, you know, and I said, so, you know, do we have free will or are we chosen and predestined? And Joe said, yes. <laughs> yes, he said. He said because it's all right, and he said, and 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 when we get there, we'll understand. But all we have, we just have to trust that God is good. The one thing is that every time you find that word predestined, you also find some form of the word foreknowledge, mm -hmm. and so it's always tied back to that He knew before the foundations of the earth. That it's it's not that you can't have the ability to be saved. Otherwise, why would He tell us whosoever will may come? Why else would he say he died for the sins of the world, not for the sins of you or you and you? And so, you know, it, it helps you to be able to wrap your mind around it a little bit that, yes, we are to go and tell. Why would we go and tell if, if they were caught, you know? Right. So, it, you know, that helps me to come to grips with that. Well, it kind of almost makes me wonder, okay, so are, are we really all chosen, but he knew ahead of time who would accept him? That's, that's you know what I mean? Exactly. That's yeah. Okay. yeah, exactly. Did he really think that he would predestine someone to hell? Yeah. 
Well, then you go to the scripture where he talks about the potter. That where the potter says, you know, he yeah. makes the vessels and right. he can do with them what he wants. And then, you know, right. so I mean, there's so many, because yeah, yeah. that was my question. And then yeah. I was brought back to that scripture and it was like, oh, wow. Well, yes. So the potter can just can make a vessel for destruction. You know, so yeah. it's like, wow. Yeah. So this, this could be a good topic. Uh, for you to study, and uh, apparently you could study it a lot and end oh, up and never back in the same place. Yeah. All right, let's read the last passage here in Romans 12, 1 through 2, and I'll just read that. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, so um, one thing to remember is that God's will is not all just about our job, right? Sometimes we'll hear, especially young people, say, I want to know what God's will is, and I, want, I need to know what I need to do in this life. Well, it's not all about your job. It's really about everything, every decision uh, that we're going to make. Uh, and that his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Uh, right, and that, that should make us want to choose his will. But there are times in this life where we get that door one and door two, and door one looks a little more enticing than door two, but we may know in our heart door two is God's will. Right, so, and that is, that is the, the important thing to remember is that there are going to be those crossroads where we can choose him, and it may not look good, pleasing, and perfect at the time, but we should rest assured that it is. Um, so um, Paul obviously starts this section with the word therefore uh, and you've all heard the, you know, what's the therefore um, really what he's trying to sum up is the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans and he sums it up this way that the uh, commentary says basically Christ saved us and made us free he adopted us as his own children which we talked about just a minute ago and made us fellow heirs with Christ in light of the magnificent gifts that God has freely given us, Paul urged us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, essentially to choose God's will. Um, so uh, on page 73 in your book, there's a question that says, how can we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? What are some actual actions that you can take, and what does sacrifice look like? So... How can we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? What are some actions we can take? What's it look like? Just a practical example. Anybody have an example? Have you ever felt like God really wanted you to do something and you really didn't want to do it? And you do it anyway. That's a practical way to use your body as a living sacrifice. So you sacrifice your will to God's will to do what you know you're supposed to do, even though you didn't want to. Spending time on God's word every day. Yeah. Reading your Bible every day. Knowing, knowing God's word. Uh, what are some others? Sharing your faith. Sharing your faith. Yeah. Making that trip up front. What's that? Making that trip up front. Yeah. The Great Take. Commission. Any other examples? As you think about 
whatever you're going to do this week, whether it's to go to work or to go shopping, what's a way you could be a living sacrifice this week? Maybe we've already heard, heard enough examples, right? Share your faith with someone. Uh, be gentle with your kid when you might feel that they don't deserve it. You know? um, so what are some of the obstacles you're likely to face this week when you're trying to discern what God's will is? Busyness, tiredness, the, the call of life, you know, just the walking away. I think the biggest challenge for me is just wanting to be my own God and do things that I want to do. Right, living living a life that says it, you know, I don't need him. It's probably the biggest hurdle for me. Which makes you unhappy. Which ultimately leads to destruction, right? That's why you're tired and, and in pain and you know. God has a way of getting your attention and showing you that you're not your own God. <laughs> um so how can we help one another uh, renew our minds and discern the will of God? And I put a, a warning here. Remember uh, that when we're helping each other, uh, opinions and feelings, along with an evaluation of circumstances, can often be very dangerous. So I want to caution you before you give someone advice to make sure that you are in the will of God, especially when you're trying to guide someone in their assessment of what God's will is for them. Just remember that our opinions and our feelings, and even how we evaluate the circumstances, can often be wrong. Um, so what are some of the ways we can help each other this week? So I think God's will is for us to pray for the infirmed and all of the other prayer requests that we mentioned today. Uh, I'm going to get the list from Michelle, and I'm saying this partially as a reminder to myself. Uh, and then we're going to send them out this week. And God's will would be for you to pray over those, I'm sure. <laughs> um, what are some of the other ways that we can encourage each other? Have you, ever, uh, have you ever stepped in to help somebody that was clearly out of fellowship with, with God's will? God's will would be for them to be in the house of the Lord, to be fellowshipping with fellow believers. Maybe this week somebody will come to mind and you're supposed to reach out to them. Maybe some of the empty chairs should be filled. Any others come to mind? How can we help each other? Sure, should be full. There's really no excuse. Yeah, we have a big roll. <laughs> if everybody showed up on the roll all at the same time, uh, this room couldn't hold us. Um, but that's that's life sometimes. Well, perhaps we'll uh, we'll wrap up there. Uh, any other thoughts or questions on this week? Remember, the point this week is to align our will to God's will. And uh, my prayer for you and for me is that we'll have moments of opportunity this week where God will make it apparent and clear that we're on our own path and that he has an alternative for us that is good and pleasing and perfect. So we'll wrap up there. Uh, would somebody be willing to pray to dismiss us today?